You ready to get into the Word tonight? Thank you, Lord. If you brought a Bible with you, I want you to open, first of all, to the book of Psalms, and you can find Psalm 92. And if you would also find Acts chapter 3, Psalm 92 and Acts chapter 3. Oh man, I'm excited tonight. Thank you, Lord. This has been a day already and a good one. And I can't wait to tell you. I, I hope we can get into some of the things we've experienced today. Just really touched our lives. We've been talking over the last several weeks, last several months, really, about the anointing. Somebody say the anointing. What is the anointing? This, this is something that came up strong in my heart just over the last several months. I grew up in, in a home, in a family where this was not a foreign concept. I grew up in church. We talked about the anointing. We preached about the anointing. We, we prayed the anointing. And, and I felt like I had at least some sort of understanding about you know, what that is, where it comes from, how it works, how you can get more of it. But I don't know if you've experienced this before, but you, you, you go so far with something you think you know, and then you really find out, what do I actually know about that? And I may have told you this before, but one of the things that has helped me with that, and you guys will see this and others of you that are expecting, one of the things that has helped me find out what I actually knew and what I just thought I knew was having kids. <laughs> Especially when they start getting five, six, seven, eight years old, like our oldest is right now, and he's asking questions and stuff I thought I knew the answer to especially spiritual stuff. There's a spiritual awareness in them and a spiritual, for lack of a better word, curiosity. Here's the right word, hunger. A hunger for the real things of God and they will start talking to you about it. And I have, I found myself coming to the end of what I know about certain things. And I think, Lord, you're gonna have to help me for the sake of my children, for the sake of the, the people we minister to, help me understand some of these things. And so I've been hungry to understand the anointing in a way that maybe I haven't or thought I did or just, just deeper. You know, the Bible talks about deep calling unto deep. Have you heard that before? What's that mean? Deep calls unto deep. Sarah and I had a great conversation about this one day. And I think she's, she said this, and um, we were talking about somebody who has just this inborn adventure spirit people who just love going deep, people who love going where nobody else has gone. She's kind of got that thing about her. And I think it's because of how she and her brothers grew up with their family, their dad, they're outdoors all the time. Her dad is famous for saying, yeah, but I wonder what's around that corner. I wonder what's just up ahead over there and out in the woods. Yeah, but if we go just a little further. And Sarah's got that same thing. We'll be driving around looking at property or something. She's like, let's just go in there. I'm like, babe, it's a gate (laughs) with a lock and a sign that says, don't come in here. She's like, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine. But yeah, exactly. But uh, there is this thing in many people, and honestly, I believe it's in every one of us. And when you, if you've ever experienced anybody, witnessing anybody who's gone somewhere, done something that nobody else has done, gone further, gone higher, gone faster, or gone deeper than anybody else has ever gone. You interview them or you hear from them and almost always it's like, you know, that, yeah, it's awesome. It was amazing. 
but I wonder what's deeper. You know what I mean? I wonder what's higher. I wonder what's further. That's that deep calling to deep. And that's what's happening right now in me, in us, in this family. There's something in us that we've gone to a certain depth and maybe we're someplace deeper than we've ever been before. That'd be great. But it's a depth that's just begging for another depth, a deeper depth. Does that make sense? So we've been talking about the anointing. And you know this, the book of Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, the burden is, or the, the, sorry, the anointing is the burden removing, say it with me, yoke destroying power of God. That's what the anointing is. That's what the anointing does. It removes burdens. It destroys yoke. And this is why Satan hates it. This is why he's terrified of it because he is in the burden building business. But Jesus is in the burden removing business. Satan is in the yoke installing business. Jesus is in the yoke destroying business. And this is why Satan hates it and is absolutely terrified of it. And there's really no better demonstration or example of what the anointing is and what the anointing can do than the life of Jesus, right? Acts 10, 38. This is Peter preaching and he says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Look at it. With the Holy Spirit and with what? Power. How he anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Here's the anointing at work, the anointing in action. He said how God anointed Jesus. What did he anoint him with? the Holy Spirit, and with power. So when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, you're talking about the anointing. When you're talking about the manifested power of God, you're talking about the anointing. And when you're talking about God being with him, you're talking about the anointing. So every miracle in the life and the ministry of Jesus is the direct result of the anointing. So let me ask you this. If Jesus... We're all clear on who he is, right? His identity. If he was completely dependent upon the anointing to change an impossible situation into something that could be done, what are you dependent on? The anointing. It's going to take no less in your life and in mine to do what we're called to do. That's the good news. You have an anointing, the Bible says, from the Holy One. You have some of His anointing. Somebody say, I'm anointed. (laughs) See, people will be quick to agree with you. Yeah, Jesus is anointed. But are you quick to agree that that same anointing is on you? Put up Luke chapter 4, verse 18. We're going to look at this every time we talk about the anointing. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. You're familiar with it. Jesus is standing in the temple. He was handed the scroll and He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I'm wanting you to see these things as one and the same. The spirit of the Lord's on me. He's anointed me. What for, Jesus? To preach the gospel to the poor. So evidently, being poor is a burden. It's a yoke. And Jesus is anointed to destroy it. It's not any kind of blessing in disguise or otherwise. It is a burden and a yoke. And Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. What else? He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So a broken heart 
is more than just a sad feeling. It's a burden and it's a yoke. And it's one many, 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 many people are living with day in and day out with no idea what to do about it. Broken on the inside. Why do you think the scripture told you to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it? Anybody remember? Flow the issues of life, the forces of life. So a broken heart, there's a break like Sarah has taught before. There's a break in that flow. You don't want a break in that flow. You want an unbroken heart. You want a heart that's been healed by the anointing that's on Jesus. Amen? So a broken heart is a burden and a yoke, and Jesus is anointed to lift that burden, destroy that yoke, to proclaim liberty to the captive. So being held captive by anything is a burden and a yoke, and Jesus is anointed to lift it. Can you see a pattern beginning to form here? To, re- to preach recovery of sight to the blind. And any blind person would tell you, this is not a blessing. This is a burden and it's a yoke. But let me tell you what's worse than natural blindness. You know what it is? Spiritual blindness. That's way worse. That's why Paul prayed that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. I like the Amplified that says flooded with light. Blindness, not being able to see, not knowing what's coming, not knowing where you're going, not knowing what you're tripping over, not knowing what you're falling into. All of that is a burden and it's a yoke. And praise God, Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. And he's anointed to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Any oppression of any kind. And that's what Acts 10 said. He went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed. That's a burden and it's a yoke. I don't care if it's sickness in the body, sickness in the mind, sickness in the heart, sickness of the spirit or the soul, whatever it is, it's a burden and it's a yoke. And Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. I heard an amen. There there it was right there. All right, we can start with that. Did you find Psalm 92? Let's go on in this tonight. I'm excited about it. Listen to what the psalmist said here in verse 10. To really understand verse 10, though, you kind of got to know what's going on in some of the verses before it, the verses after it. He's drawing, if you will, like a line in the sand and comparing us and them. What do I mean by us and them? Us, I mean those who have Jesus, know Jesus, those who are in fellowship and relationship with God, them being those who don't and those who aren't. Now, I know everybody in this room and probably watching this broadcast right now, you know that there is supposed to be a difference, right? Yeah, you get that? There's supposed to be a big difference between us and them. And we're going to find out what this difference is, but he talks in the verses leading up to verse 10 about how the wicked flourish. Everybody say flourish. Talks about how they flourish. That's not a thought we really like, but it's true. There is a flourishing even for people that don't know God. And sometimes you and I as believers and those who are in faith and trust in the Lord, we see what's going on in other people's lives. We're thinking, I know that guy and he ain't loving Jesus and he's not walking with the Lord and yet he's got everything I'm believing God for. What's up with that? There's a flourishing there. And, and sometimes it leaves you scratching your head, but be very watchful that you don't envy that because he's clear here in Psalm 92. He says that when the workers of iniquity flourish, it's that they may be destroyed forever. He says they flourish like grass. Grass. How quickly does grass come up? Like real quick. 
I mean, you can mow your yard today and in just a few days, you got to cut that stuff down again. Why? Because it's quick. It comes up, it comes up, it comes up. But Jesus told us, he said, the grass is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. He said, it is gone. It is done. So that's what that flourishing is like. But on the other hand, he goes on and talks about how the righteous flourish. And we won't read all this. He talks about us. Somebody say us. Flourishing like a palm tree, like a cedar in Lebanon. That's different than grass, right? What's the difference? One word, strength, strength. Grass, it may spring up quick, but it can't hold nothing up. It can't hold anything up. But a tree, it takes longer to flourish, but it can bear fruit. And there will come a time in the life of that tree if it continues to flourish where its strength is not easily overcome. But in verse 10, you see the dividing line and what makes us different. What does he say? My horn you have exalted like a wild ox. Mm, Shout amen somebody. What's that even mean? My horn you have exalted like a wild ox. Let me read it to you from a different translation. I think this is the Amplified Bible. He says, my horn, emblem of excessive strength and stately grace. That's what the horn is. He's talking about his strength, this emblem of excessive strength. I don't care how strong you are physically as a human being. You're not as strong as an ox. Don't you think it's funny? We use that expression, man, I got strong as an ox, strong as an ox, strong as an ox. Well, are they really? No. But what's the psalmist saying here? You have, you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. What's he saying? You've increased my strength. Isn't that the difference in the way we flourish? Strength is the difference, right? You are increasing my strength. How did he do it? Read verse 10 again. My horn you've exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. I have been anointed, he said, with fresh oil. The anointing is the difference. This is the difference between us and them. And and I mean that literally. It's the difference. We are Christians because of Jesus Christ, that word Christ literally meaning the anointed one and his anointing. We are partakers of that anointing and that anointing is what makes us different than everybody else. This anointing is what makes us different. But I want you to notice here, this is what I want to build on tonight. He said, I've been anointed with what? Did you catch it? Fresh oil. You watching tonight online or all over the world on broadcast, what do you say? Fresh oil. I've been anointed with fresh oil. Fresh. Somebody say fresh. If I were to set up a table out here tonight, and on one side of the table, I've got a bowl of fruit that's just bright, beautiful, just kind of just effervescent, glowing, just almost like just dripping. You know, it's just fresh. It's just just in off the tree in the backyard or whatever, you know, it's just brand new and fresh. And right on the other side of the table, I've got some other fruit. Now, same fruit. Maybe, maybe it's a bowl of apples here and I got a bowl of apples here. 
But the difference is, I've had these a while. As a matter of fact, I think maybe we bought them, you know, four or five weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago or so, and we found them in the back of the drawer. Now, they're both apples, right? But you can imagine, without even looking at them physically, you can imagine how different they would look and how easily you could tell the difference between something that's fresh and something that's just been there a while. So which would you pick? If I had to let you, if I said, pick an apple, both apples, but pick one, every single one of us, would you go to bright red or dirty brown? (laughs) Now, I'm not opposed to the color brown, but just not on my apples. You know what I'm saying? Which would you pick? Fresh. Of course you would go towards fresh. There's something in the human nature that gravitates towards a freshness. We like something fresh. We like it in our food, right? We like it in our coffee. Amen? I knew I'd get an amen right there. I mean, we've got some professional coffee connoisseurs around here. And I mean, if I had a pot that just came off the whatever, I don't know, you guys know. Or I had one that has been sitting there for a few days, maybe a week. Just both, both of them in a pot of coffee. What do you go for? Fresh. You go fresh. There's something in us that wants fresh. Sarah and I, we've been blessed to travel and, and, and uh, seen some awesome things. And there's this one particular place we have just so enjoyed vacationing. And uh, we've been there over the last several years. And it's this little island. And on this island, they have this restaurant. And it's become our favorite restaurant in all the world. And we've eaten some food in different places and we've had some good stuff, but this place, I'm telling you, this place. I mean, just imagine it if you could for a minute. It's like open air. There's a, the whole, a whole side of the restaurant is open and it just looks out at the water, the ocean. In the distance, there's another island and the sun sets right behind that island in the summer. And uh, the food is so good. And it's not just the food, but it's the atmosphere. There's Every time we've been, there's this guy and this girl playing instruments behind us. And they're like back there playing sting songs on a harp and a flute or something. It's just really bizarre and different, but it's so amazing. Am I telling the truth? It's so good. And um, the, one of the things that's really cool about this restaurant is it's farm to table. Have you heard this expression before? Farm to table. Well, one of the waiters told us one of the last times we were there, that one of their goals in this restaurant is to have it on your table in four hours or less from the farm. So what you're eating that day, most of the menu was picked that day or caught that day. And the waiters will say, yeah, this, this fish this morning was caught right there. Just point out into the little bay where it is. Folks, that's fresh. That's really fresh. Now I've had fish but then I've had this, right? You've had fruit, but then you've had this. Freshness makes a difference. The reason I'm saying this to you is because I believe that freshness is not just a preference. It's not just something we innately prefer. There is something 
God inborn in us to desire it, to crave it. We crave freshness. What happens when the fresh wears off and then something stale enters in? What happens when when that occurs in a relationship, in a marriage, in a friendship, in a dynamic at work, in, in any kind of connection at all? What happens when something that started off fresh, man, that started off vibrant and colorful and alive and living, and over the course of time, it just got stale, it got kind of old to you? It's the same people. It's the same people. It's the same people that stood there and said, I do. It's the same people that you went to work for however many years ago. It's the same people. It's like it's apples and apples, coffee and coffee. But what happened? Something got in there and the freshness went away. But there's something in us that knows to crave that, desire that, long and hunger for a freshness again. Amen? Now, where this is most dangerous is when this staleness, if that's even a word, gets into your fellowship with the Lord. And I'm not afraid to tell you, it has at times in my life, because I know it has in yours. I know it has. I know the times in my life when my relationship with him was fresh. I know it. For me, and it's not the same for everybody, but for me, there is a a, a tenderness when, when there's a freshness in my walk with him, there's a tenderness and I'm, I'm not ever too far from tears. I remember years ago doing a series of meetings, a conference, our Behold conference that we did there in Alma, Arkansas with some friends of ours in their church. And we had a series of meetings over three days. And I'm telling you, I think it was because of the prayer that went into it and the fellowship with each other and the Lord. And we were a team doing this thing together. And it just ramped up over the, the, the course of the conference. And by the end of it, I, I was a mess. I was a mess. The presence of God was such a reality to us. And, and I've been there and you've been there too, but I've also been there when it was just like, you know, just stale, not, didn't feel like it was alive. And I'll be real honest with you. I have, I, I've been talking to the Lord even in the last few weeks, last few months, Lord, I'm, I'm hungry, hungry for a freshness with you, hungry for a fresh encounter with you because it's in there and he put it in there, that hunger and that craving for something fresh. Tonight, I'm talking to you about having a fresh thing with God. I don't know if that's a great title or not, but that's what we're going with, a fresh thing with God. And what's interesting about this, again, don't disconnect what the anointing does. The anointing the anointing is a strengthener, Right? How do I know that? Ask Samson. We, talk, we talked about this a lot. Samson. We don't know anything from the course of his life in Scripture. There's no indicator whatsoever that his natural physical stature was massive and huge. I know that's the picture we have in our minds, but there's nothing in the Scripture that indicates that. All we know is that four or five times throughout his life, the Spirit of the Lord moved mightily on him. That's what it says. And what we found out through the course of our study, we looked at the life of Saul, the first king of Israel. And when he was anointed, 
The prophet Samuel anointed him and he said, this is what's going to happen when the anointing comes on you. You're going to be turned into another man. And that's what the anointing does. He said, you're going to be turned into another man. You're going to prophesy. And the reason that's so significant is because the chapter before that, 1 Samuel chapter 9, we find out that Saul is very insecure. He's full of fear because Samuel said to him, you're going to be the king. And Saul said, why are you talking to me like this? My family is the smallest family in the tribe of Benjamin. This is the smallest tribe in the house of Israel. Why are you talking to me like I'm somebody important? Can you hear the insecurity in that? The fear in that? But when the anointing came, Samuel said, this is going to turn you into somebody else. And you're going to prophesy. Can you imagine finding the most insecure, shyest person in this room, pulling them up in front of everybody and handing them a microphone and say, prophesy. Go ahead, prophesy. Talk to us. Tell us about the future. <laughs> but he was turned into another man. Same thing as what happened with Samson. The spirit of the Lord would come on him and that strength would come up in him. Turned into somebody else. Don't disconnect what we're talking about in this fresh thing with God. Don't disconnect that from what the anointing does to strengthen you. When our relationships are at their freshest, we would characterize them as strong, wouldn't we? But when that staleness has gotten in and we're just in the mundane and just in the day-to-day, -day, that's when our relationships are at the weakest. And we talked about this as a staff the day we began our television ministry. So two years ago now, something like that, we sat in this room on those couches. And we got together as a staff. These lights were on. These cameras were rolling. It was the thing that God had called us to do. And finally, we're doing the thing. You know what I mean by that? Just we were so excited about doing the thing that he's wanted us to do for so long. And there's something just even naturally speaking kind of cool about this. You know what I mean? TV lights and cameras and just the, the thought of something going out all over the world. There, there, there's something that day, especially a freshness to that. We're excited about it. But we sat down as a staff and I warned everybody. I said, be careful because we're about to start doing the thing that we're going to do for the rest of our lives. And what you have to watch out for is repetition. Now we're going to do this and we're going to do it over and we're going to do it over and over and over again. And these cameras are going to come on and these lights are going to come on and hey, everybody, welcome home. You're watching Legacy Television. We're Jeremy and Sarah Pearsons and we're going to say that thousands of times. And if you're not watchful, repetition will try to drain you of your passion and your freshness. And think back in your walk with the Lord when it was the freshest and you opened the word and it was just living and it was speaking to you. And then for whatever reason, some time went by and it's the same word and you're looking at the same scriptures, but there's not that freshness. You've got to be guarded over what repetition tries to do to you. There's, an, there's a thing in you that craves a freshness and a strength in your relationship with the Lord. And there's an anointing available to keep this relationship fresh. Are you following me? Is this making sense? Did you find the book of Acts chapter 3? In Acts chapter 3, I guess it would help if I found it. Acts chapter 3, just begin in verse 1. 
It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. And why was he there? To ask alms from those who entered the temple. So let the word of God and the Holy Spirit here paint a picture for you. Here's a man laying at the gate. How did he get there? Somebody carried him there. Somebody had to pick him up and put him there. How long has he had this condition? Well, since he was born. He was lame, it says, from his mother's womb. And they would lay him there. And what's he doing there? Asking alms. So what else do you know about him? He's poor. He's crippled. Been so his entire life. And that disability has produced a poverty in his life. And he's laying at the gate of the temple asking people for money. Verse three, it says, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms, fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And I like this verse five. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Now, I don't, I don't know what kind of faith was present. I doubt much, but I just like the way this reads. Gave them his attention, expecting to receive something. You attend to whatever you expect to receive something from. And this goes right back into injecting this freshness back into our walk with the Lord. When you open up the word of God, you begin attending to it, attend to it like you expect to get something out of it. I wrote a letter to our partners one time and just practically speaking, I said, you know, when I read the word, as often as I can, I will read it with a pen and a highlighter in my hand. What does that mean? I'm expecting something. I am expecting something to stand out to me. I'm expecting something to be so full of life that I'm going to write this something down. He gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But check this out. What I do have, I give you. Don't let this pass you by. Peter's saying, I got something. It's not what you asked me for, but I do have something. Now, what is it he has? What what, what chapter are we reading? What book are we reading in here? Acts chapter, which comes right after Acts chapter. And what did all these guys get in Acts chapter 2? The Holy Ghost, man. These guys all hung out in that room until... Jesus said it. He said it in Acts chapter one, verse eight, you shall receive power. There's that word again. When the Holy Spirit, there's that word again, comes on you. Help me folks. What's he talking about? The anointing, the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. Jesus is saying, y'all wait here. I got something for you. Wait here until I give it to you. And what was he giving him? The Holy Ghost, the power of God the anointing. And so now Peter's living with it and he comes across this guy who's asking for money. And Peter said, I left my wallet at home, but I do have something. What is he about to give him? The anointing. He's about to give him 
the power of God that's resident within him through the indwelling Holy Spirit and the anointing is about to do something for this guy. What I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Don't you love that? Didn't even let the guy get up on his own. Just grabbed him. You're walking today, son, and just pulled him right up. What happened? Grabbed him by his right hand and immediately his feet and ankle bones, what's it say? What's it say? Come on, say it out loud. Received. Received what? What did he get? Evidently, weakness was the problem. The problem in his body was weakness. Now listen to this. We find out from the book of Acts chapter four, just a chapter later about this guy. And I read one commentary yesterday that suggests, you know, Luke, Dr. Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts and he did it based on interview and, and documentary. And there are people that believe because of the minuteness of the detail in this man's story that Luke actually interviewed him. And we find out one chapter later, he was over 40 years old. Folks, that is a 40-year burden and yoke. From his mother's womb, lame, for 40 years, burdened by that. And that burden produced a poverty in his life. And we already know what Jesus does with poverty. He preaches the gospel to it. And the gospel has the power to remove the burden and destroy the yoke of poverty. This is a 40-year burden a 40-year yoke that was destroyed in a second by the anointing and the strength that comes with the anointing. Are you, are you seeing this? Immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. No matter what it is you're dealing with, no matter what kind of sickness, if it's spirit, soul, or body, if it's a financial one, if it's a relational one, the root in it is weakness. I don't care if it's a cold or cancer. The problem is weakness. If it's in the body, the problem is the body or the immune system is not strong enough to resist the strength of the foreign matter, the strength of the germ, the strength of the virus, the strength of the cells as it multiplies. The problem is weakness. The problem is the body isn't strong enough to resist and fight. That's why we have these folks have these autoimmune disorders. There's nothing in them strong enough to fight. And so they just come down with anything and everything. The problem's weakness. Weakness. So the answer is what? Strength. What do you need? You need strength. Thank you, Lord. Listen to this. This goes on. You know what happened. He stood up. He starts running and leaping and praising God and all the people just, they know him. He's been there every day for probably 25, 30 years. And they know this guy and they're all marveling at this. And Peter 
When he saw everybody marvel, he said in verse 12, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life. Folks, let's just stop and and take account what's going on here. Peter is preaching to people this impromptu public message and basically blaming them for murdering Jesus. This is the same guy who not very many days ago was so ashamed of Jesus that that fateful night, he denied him not once, not twice, but three times. Denied even knowing him. Lied about it. Evidently, the anointing will turn you into somebody else. Can you see that here in the life of Peter? Boldness. We've talked about that. Strength and the boldness that he has to stand up and preach to all these people about what's happening. And he says, Verse 17, yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ, that the anointed one would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Verse 19, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now stop right there for a moment. You knew that already, didn't you? I know pretty much everybody in here, and I know you knew that. You knew that when you repent, when you change your heart, when you change your mind, you know what happens. When you come before the Lord and you say, Jesus, I repent. Forgive me of all my sin. You know what happens, don't you? All things, old things, what happened to them? Passed away. What happens? All things become new. You knew this without even us reading this or me telling you tonight that your sins by the blood of Jesus are blotted out. You knew that, right? You knew that there was a new identity in you, a new creation. That's who you are. That's what you are. And, and everybody, we, we know that. I don't know that we know it as strongly as we could, but we know it to a degree. This is what we are confident in. It's, it's what we came to know the moment we were born again. When you repent, Jesus wipes away your sins. But listen to this. This is not where he stopped. Read it again. Verse 19. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Do you know that this right here, times of re, what? Freshing. Times of a refreshing. This is supposed to be as much a part of the new creation experience as your sins being wiped away. This is as much a part of it right here. That times of refreshing would come. Now, where are they coming from? The presence of the Lord. Listen to this from a different translation. I've got it for you in... Um, I think it's the contemporary English, yeah. It says in verse 20, then the time will come when the Lord will give you fresh strength. 
That's how that translates what we just read about a time of refreshing. The time will come and the Lord will give you fresh strength. You want to know what Peter's saying to these people? He's saying you can have a fresh thing with God and you can be as strong in your spirit because of the anointing as this man is now in his body. This kind of strength's available to you. The time is coming, he said, when you repent, your sins are washed away and times of refreshing are coming. Refreshing. Really, the word itself is a miracle because most stuff is fresh once and it doesn't get to be fresh again. But the miraculous power of the blood of Jesus gives us the ability to have a refreshing. Amen? A refreshing. This, uh, this word refreshing, you study it, you see the same word revive. I like that one. Revive. I was studying the book of Psalms, especially Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible. Something like eight or 10 different verses talk of the psalmist cried out to the Lord and said, revive me according to your word. Revive me according to your loving kindness. Revive me according to your judgments. He said, my soul clings to dust. What's that? That's death. That's what happens to the soul. It goes back to dust. This body's going back to dust. And he says, my body's trying to die. And I'm asking you, revive me, V-I-V-E. In Spanish, we know that means live, to live, re-live. The, the word revive literally means this. Listen to it. To return to consciousness or life. Are you ready? It means to become active or flourishing again. Flourishing again. This is what the anointing does. It brings us back to a place of life again flourishing again, strength again. I just almost couldn't wait to tell you this tonight. Earlier today, Sarah and I were invited to the home of one of our partners, partners with us in this ministry, dear friend, dear person we've worked with. This particular lady has been given about two weeks to live. And, uh, they invited us over to the house just to pray with them and minister. And so we got the call a few days ago to come. And so just since then, we've just been seeking the Lord. What would you have us say? It's not the time to just go and say whatever. You know what I mean? Your words are weighty. Your words carry weight. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. This is not time to shoot the breeze or chit chat. Or especially, it's not time to be pitiful. You want to find out what the Lord would say. It's like Jesus. I don't say anything, he said, unless I hear my father say it. So we just took the last several days praying in the Holy Ghost, seeking the Lord. What would you say? And I really thought tonight I was going to be heading in kind of a different direction and talk to you about the oil of joy. And that's not really disconnected from what we've been talking about because the joy of the Lord is your strength. But just a couple of days ago, woke up and the Lord just started talking to me about having this fresh thing with him. Because as much as you want it with him, guess what? 
He wants it more. Because if it's boring to you, he ain't really enjoying it that much either. This craving for a freshness, guess where we got that? It's from our Father. So a couple of days ago, maybe just yesterday, he starts talking to me about just having this fresh thing with him and this fresh oil and this fresh anointing. And I end up over here in the book of Acts reading about these times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. They're not found anywhere else. They're in the presence of God. You can go to, you can go to conferences. You can go to marriage meetings and they can give you all these steps about how to have this fresh thing again. And I'm sure a lot of it's wonderful, but there's a freshness that comes only as the result of being in the presence of God. And that's not something you can get quick. It's not something you can get in a hurry. Take some time. And so we're preparing our hearts to spend some time with this partner and this friend and her family today. And uh, we went over there. Her husband opened the door, let us in. He said, come on in. She's there in the living room. And she's, you know, dropped a lot of weight and uh, you can tell frail in her body and on oxygen and uh, kind of whisper, talk a little bit. She's said, hi. She's very sweet, precious lady. She just sort of whispered, hi, sorry, forgive me for not getting up. You know, just not a lot of strength to get up. And uh, we sat there a bit and we talked and just asked her, where are you? You know, where's your faith? Because we're going to hook with you wherever you are. We can name this and claim that, but where are you? Because that's where we're going to come into agreement. And, and they are believing God for the perfect will of God, which is his healing power manifested in their body. So we said, that's great. That's where we are too. We're going to believe that with you. And she would talk to us for a little bit. And um, because of the medication, it was kind of having this drowsy effect on her. And she'd talk and her eyes would just begin to close and almost thought she was going to fall asleep, maybe mid-sentence. But she'd come back and, and she said, you have to forgive me. The, the medication and the morphine is, I, I lose my train of thought. It's fine. You sit there and you understand, you know, and she would say, she'd say to her husband, you might have to help me remember where I was going with this. You know, she's kind of just breathing these words out. And I just did what we saw in our hearts. And I just got on my knees right there beside her chair and just took her by the hand. And I've preached to her what I just preached to you. Strength, the anointing. And I said, what can we believe God for right now? I know where you're headed. I, I, I know what the end result here is. And look, if she lives 40 more years on earth, praise the Lord. If she's in heaven with Jesus, sometimes she wins, folks. She wins. We all win. We got to get that settled, by the way. But I said, what can we believe God for right now? If, the, if, the, if, if our faith is set on healing and wholeness, that's good. But faith is a walk. What are the steps between where we are and where you want to be? What's the step? And I just ministered this, this to her on strength. I mean, infused with strength. And her sister was sitting there. She said, well, I'll tell you this. She, she told me she, earlier today, just too, too weak to even get herself to the other room. Even to take care of herself. Just leaning on other people. I said, that's where we'll start. Right there. Let's start right there. Let's, let's ask God for strength to make it from here to there. 
And you know, if the, if the, the disease, if it just stops progressing, you got more time. And I know the tendency would be to get real militant with it. And I command you to come out and be thrown in the sea. And all, you know, if the Lord leads you in that way, you do it. But there's, there's also steps to take between here and there. And I said, that's it. That's our step right there. Believe in God for strength, strength. And we just, we laid hands on her and we prayed strength. Special time. Really wonderful. Sarah shared some awesome things with her about, about the anointing on her life. And Sarah said, look, you can go to heaven and you'd feel a lot better than you do now. But we need you and we need the anointing that's on you. And you're going to have to get something out there in front of you. Just like Jesus. How did he endure? And this is what I said to her. I said, you know, he endured something. I don't pretend to know what he endured. I don't even pretend to know what she's enduring. But I do know that he endured the cross. And the scripture said, how did he endure? For the joy that was set before him, he endured. There's got to be something out there in front of you. What's the anointing on your life? What's the assignment? What's the call? It's out, something out there in front of you that is drawing you, pulling you. And yeah, you got to endure some stuff between here and there. But if you keep your eyes on that joy and on that prize, you're making it all the way through this. So we just ministered this to her and ministered this. Sarah prayed with her. We talked to her a little bit. And she started talking and it was at full volume and she's talking and she's talking and she's talking. And she finally said, I don't have a clock in front of me. I don't know when you guys have to leave. And I had looked at my clock when she was talking. I said, we're okay. And she talked and she talked and she talked. And she, then she said, I'm sorry, I've talked too much. And I said, but do you realize you just talked for 10, maybe 12 minutes without a gasp for air, without her eyes even closing. I said, what's happening? Strength. Strength's coming. Strength is coming. Sarah's my witness. We sat there and watched this thing unfold right before our very eyes. We spent all of about an hour and a half there. And I got my stuff together. So we got service tonight. We're going to get the kids and so on. She said, well, let me walk you to the door. <laughs> Under her own strength and her own power. Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth? Stood up. She said, we are the family of long goodbyes. <laughs> and you go to the door and you talk some more and you talk some more. And she did. She stood up, walked us to the door. I could cry thinking about it right now. We're watching the Lord meet us. We're watching the anointing strengthen somebody and turn them into somebody else. I told her the, the anointing can do this in you. The anointing can do this in you. The anointing can do this on a cellular level. The anointing can turn cancer-ridden cells into clean, pure, strong cells that ward off disease and fight. That's what the anointing can do. If the anointing can do that in a body, help me out, can it do it in a marriage? Can it do it huh, at where you work? Can it do it in your finances? Can it do it in every area of your life? Can it do it in your walk with Jesus? Can the anointing take something and infuse such strength into it 
that all of a sudden it's got a freshness to it and it's alive and it's living again. And something you've been looking at day after day after day that just seemed cold and, and dry and stale to you, all of a sudden this supernatural power hit that word and it's alive and it's vibrant and it's full of life and it's working in you and adding strength to you, praise God. Can the anointing do it? Yes, 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 it can. This is what I'm hungry for. This is what I've been asking him for. God, I want a fresh thing with you. Maybe there's a better way to say it, but I don't know. A fresh thing. Do you know what I mean by it? Then it's good enough. Anybody else? A fresh thing with the Lord? That's in you, that desire is in you because he put it there. You're built to crave that. It's not just a preference. It's not just a tendency. It's not just because bright red apples look better than dark brown ones. There's something in the human that God put in there. I want a freshness, something that's strong, something that's living, something that's alive, flourishing like a palm tree, like a cedar, not like the grass. What can do that? What can do that? The anointing can do that. And these are the times where times of refreshing that come from the presence of God. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to our podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit PearsonsMinistries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.